Welcome back to another episode of the Huxley Morton podcast, the show where each week I'm bringing you both personal and professional stories from company owners, innovators, and industry leaders, all working in the world of clinical trials and healthcare. This week, I'm joined by Matt McClett, uh, the Director of Operations over at Neuroflow. Uh, Matt, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, James. Pleasure to be here. You are very much welcome. Well, look, um, I guess Neuroflow, that's the name of the company. Um, but look, tell me, uh, I guess, a quick introduction from, from your end. Um, who are you guys? What do you do? What is what is Neuroflow? Sure. Uh, there's nothing more I'd, I'd rather talk about. So, so Neuroflow is a, a digital mental health company. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, I think traditionally when people think about mental health companies, maybe you think about like a, like a Headspace or a Calm or kind of some of these self-management tools, right? Consumer apps. Mm-hmm. But really what we're trying to do is to help uh, integrate behavioral health and mental health solutions into physical health settings. So, right. you know, what you can think about, we, we do that really in three ways. So the first way we do that is, is through measurement, right? So helping, helping uh, particularly PCPs and, and their co-located staff um, in order to track behavioral health outcomes over time. So that uh-huh. can be things like validated health assessments. Um, those that are physicians or, or healthcare providers on the call probably know things like the PHQ, which is a depression screening and assessment or GAD mm-hmm. for anxiety. Um, but we can also use other things like subjective metrics. So that can be like, how well are you sleeping? What is your mood like? Um, how is your pain? Right. And then also being able to take more and more passive measurement, um, like things like wearables. So being able to look at like step count. And I always think step count's super interesting because you can think about depression where somebody is very depressed, their step count's probably going to go down quite low, right? Probably near zero Mm -hmm. versus somebody with like cocaine use disorder, right? When they're actively using their step count might be way up. So being able to kind of use this more passive information to pull in to also help with uh, kind of our risk stratification. So we actually take all that information and that kind of goes to the second thing of what we do, which is to help really manage that population. So mm-hmm. taking all this information in, you know, more data is not better, um, but being able to then consolidate it in a way that's usable. So creating kind of a risk profile for each patient and then also providing treatment recommendations back to clinicians where, hey, you know, my, my patient has an elevated um, depression score over the last few months. What can I do about it? And being able to help them and provide them some insight. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing we're doing is then really engaging the, the patient or, or the member, depending who you're working with. And, uh, you know, we know there's a lot of evidence-based uh, treatments and protocols to help patients feel better, but if they're not doing them, then they're not going to get better. So really working in engaging ways, um, including using behavioral economics, where we're actually providing rewards for patients for doing the right thing. And, and through all that and connecting this in a feedback loop, where there's a patient mobile app that connects back to a dashboard, which then feeds into the EHR so that the provider doesn't even have to go outside the EHR to be getting these insights um, and really being able to drive care. And ultimately, sorry, one last thing too, is is then we can then use that to to deliver some of these evidence-based delivery models like psychiatric collaborative care, which we can help staff as well. Uh So look, it's it's all very much mental health focused, improving people's mental health, tracking people's mental health, and I guess monitoring certain I guess, behaviors, habits that all contribute and are affected by an individual's mental health. Um, you mentioned a couple of letters at the, at the end there, EHR, uh, yep. I think it was one of them. Look, um, for those of us that are, I guess, not familiar with that, what, what does that trans- translate to? Sure. Yeah. So that's the electronic health record, right? So that's, that's where I'm going in and actually doing my documentation uh, as part of your healthcare team. 
you know, and and traditionally we we ask a lot of our physicians, particularly here in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, with a 15 minute visit, they have to do a lot, and we can't have them going to multiple different platforms and multiple different um, software to be able to do this. So so really, the the home where a, a physician wants to stay is that one health record. So being able to feed information into that is really critical and something we mm-hmm. found is essential in working with uh, in this setting of physical health. Sure. Okay. So look, you've given us an overview of what you guys do as, as a company. You mentioned that there's an app in there. Is that what you would physically class as the, like the Neuroflow product system? Um, or is there, is there more to it? Yeah, there's more to it. Um, you know, generally when I when I talk about Neuroflow, I kind of refer to it as a platform because uh-huh. there's really there's really two sides to it. So there is the mobile app. So there's a Neuroflow app. So you could actually go onto the App Store or Google Play and 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 download it. You couldn't use it without an invite from your your provider, uh-huh. um, but you can check out the awesome reviews because we have like four and five star reviews. Um, <laughs> and and what's great is then everything that's collected on that that mobile app is then fed back into a, um, a client dashboard um, or a, I'm sorry, a provider dashboard. Yeah. And uh, the term that is often used for, for what we're developing is a functional registry. So mm-hmm. it's a way to basically manage a caseload. So I can quickly look and, and go, hey, who, who out of my patient population is the most at risk? So I can then focus on those individuals. So we're able to really quickly kind of look through um, that caseload flag. I can add flags so I, can, I know who I want to go back to and check in on. Mm-hmm. Um, I can track the time I spend with them, which is really important, uh, particularly in the U.S. with billing codes and, and kind of meeting requirements and documentation requirements. Yeah. Um, so, so it's really those two sides. And then, and then that information then also feeds into the EHR. I see. So look, I guess in terms of that also, um, you know, you're talking about providers, patients, who I guess would be the, the providers, who, who are, is your customer base for, for Neuroflow? Yeah, so we really sell to uh, a few different segments. Um, one being kind of, uh, you know, independent medical groups. So you can think about like providers and physicians mm-hmm. um, that are really interested in integrating mental health into their practice. Um, yeah. There's a lot of reasons why they want to do that. One is um, providers care. And we know that there's a huge link between physical and mental health, right? Mm-hmm. So um the other reason is there's a lot of billing code and reimbursement opportunities here for them. So what they actually, so we sell that to them. So directly to physicians. Um, we also sell to health plans. Um, so we, we have a couple different ways that we work with health plans. Um, one is kind of as a, uh, basically a care management tool and population health tool where we're able to identify those that have social determinants needs or maybe uh, have these mental health needs and can flag them, identify them and, and push automatically resources to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also being able to, again, do these delivery models with payers and payers care so much about this. So uh, because of the incredible costs that mental health has. So somebody mm-hmm. with diabetes is two to three times more expensive if they have a mental health condition compared to somebody who does not. And that is, wow. that is a staggering number, right? It so is, yeah. being able to, to treat these mental health conditions is, is a really important for, for the, the payers. And then our last segment is with the government. So we actually have, um, have contracts and work with uh, the US Air Force and the and US Space Force um, and, and the VA as well. So um, very similar use cases to our commercial segment, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, really, really making sure we tailor that experience to, to a service member or veteran. Sure. So no, I guess where does the, the, the technology side of things come into it? So um, how does it all work? I, I guess the data has to come from the patients. How mm-hmm. do you, uh, I guess, 
how do you get people to enroll in this and, and actually give you that information? Because I, I would imagine that, you know, mental health is, is one of those things, isn't it? That, you know, part of it is that uh, people just don't always speak up. So how are you guys managing to, to grasp, you know, this audience in order to get the data to then provide to their physicians? Um, talk me through the, the actual the, the workflow process that someone would perhaps go through. How do, how do they filter into to you guys? Sorry, there's about a million and one questions there. It's because you know, that, that's, thinking, that's a great question, right? And, and I think that's a really fair question. Like, why, why the heck would I want to give these guys my really personal info, right? I think mm. mental health is still really stigmatized in terms of like how we value that information, right, as, as an individual. Um, yeah. So to answer your question, there's a few ways. The, the highest engagement that we see is when it's introduced by the actual patient's provider. So when it's their physician or, or, or nurse practitioner or PA, whoever it is that's working with that patient says, this is a really valuable tool that mm -hmm. is going to help me do my job. When yeah. we have that connection, our, our uh, registration rates you know, are 70, 80% of people signing up. So that is, that I guess is it's, it's that figure of authority, isn't it? You know, your, your physician says that this is going to help you naturally you're more inclined 100%. to say, okay, let's, let's give it a whirl. Even if, you know, you're not used to using app technology and, you know, you haven't heard about this sort of thing, you're going to say, okay, perfect. So I can see why that is where you get the, the, the biggest uptake. Yep. That's right. That's right. And, and, and when we do these more population rollouts where we'll actually, we make it really easy, which is really important to do. So mm. if we send out kind of a, a text message uh, to, to James, right. And James gets this text message on his phone, then it's all about messaging and marketing. Right. So mm -hmm. it's not going to say, hey, Neuroflow is inviting you to this. It's going to say, hey, your health insurance or or your employer is inviting you to this. And then if we can then precipitate that with some marketing materials to let you know this is coming, this is why we're doing it, this is I how see. your health is protected. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of marketing that we really work on before we we launch this out. So 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 patients or members really know to expect this and why it's of value. So again, very similar kind of rationale to the to the provider giving that information. Mm -hmm. But if you can really uh, you know let them know how important it is and make it super simple it can't be it has to be as seamless as possible to sign up same um, as anything in life the, the you know the, right. the, 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 certainly the amazon one click uh world that we live in now it has to be <laughs> that easy otherwise people just lose interest that's right. um okay well look, that gives us a, a, i guess a bit of an overview as to neuroflow how, how it how it works etc but you know let's come on to yourself a, a quick rewind as to maybe how you got into this and where the idea came from Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, interesting, interesting backstory. So our, our CEO and founder, Chris Malero, and I have known each other for, for quite a few years. And it's funny because we've, it's one of these kind of um, uh, real acts of fate because we actually crossed paths so many times without realizing it before we met each other here in Philadelphia. So really? we were both in the, both in the army. Um, uh -huh. So I was, I was treating combat trauma. And then I also uh, led an inpatient psych unit down at Fort Hood um, and which is in Texas. Uh, both Chris Malero and I were at Fort Hood at the same time and actually never met each other there, but we were, we, we overlapped. Didn't, even, didn't bump into each other, didn't know each other's names, didn't even know each other existed. Didn't, yep, no idea who Captain Malero was at the time. <laughs> he didn't know who Captain McClett was at the time. Um, would you, and, would you, you, know, would so you say I, that, um, I guess, looking yeah. back on it now, do, do you ever recall seeing his face around camp or anything like that or no i mean it was no? it's a pretty big pretty big place right like it's kind of like seeing somebody in, in like a, a medium-sized city right like it's probably like oh, okay fair enough yeah like seventy thousand people or something like that there um <laughs> so 
Um, but what's what's really interesting is my job at Fort Hood was to was to really run the the inpatient behavioral health unit, right? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you know, why NeuroFlow was founded was Chris's experience in for at Fort Hood, where he came back from a deployment and um, a soldier of his that he knew really well. He's he's the godparent to to his children. Yeah. Um, completed suicide. And wow. what led to his suicide was was really a lot of gaps in care where he was identified as having depression. He was somebody with chronic pain issues, which there's a lot of overlap between chronic pain and depression and suicide. Mm-hmm. And he was referred um, to behavioral health. He was given a script for antidepressants. He never followed up. He never went to the behavioral specialist. He never filled that script. Mm-hmm. And he was lost to the system, right? Wow. And and that was kind of Chris's mission and passion when we both went to University of Pennsylvania for grad school. Again, like didn't even meet at grad school either. Um, <laughs> and uh, that was really what drove him to, to found Neuroflow. Okay, so look, you guys met or, or didn't meet as it, as it may be uh, at Fort Hood. You then both ended up going to the same grad uh, school uh, where again, you didn't know each other. Um, but tell us, sure. I guess, then how the mission came about. Yeah, so you know, I, I actually started a doctoral program down at Johns Hopkins, and um, and Chris, and I was having a beer with with Chris one night because we, we've at this point um, we both were nonprofit founders. So this was after kind of grad school. We both we both founded nonprofits that I still run today. I'm executive mm-hmm. director of, of the nonprofit Action Tank, uh-huh. um, and Chris was really integral in helping me set that up and running that and determining what our mission would be. Mm-hmm. So. So we're having a beer one evening and he's talking about Neuroflow, which, which had been around for about a year at that point. And well, well, really, when, when, when was this? So uh, that was yeah. about a year, you were, or Chris was a year in at that point. What, what, when are we looking, how many years back are we talking now? Yeah, so this is 2018. Uh-huh. Um, so, yep, so yeah, 2018, uh, Neuroflow was founded right around 20, beginning of 2017. Uh-huh. Um, so I was, wasn't one of the original uh, you know, core team members uh, mm-hmm. um, but you know, when when Chris and I talked about a year later, it was really when he started to shift from being this tool for therapist, which Neuroflow was originally developed to be, to yeah. more of this integrated behavioral health tool that we're talking that I'm talking about today, mm-hmm. and really needed help to understand like how do we demonstrate that sort of value, and that's what I was studying in my doctoral program, which right, I found to be I really slow. And I, uh, I also was working um, on some state level and local policy, which is also really slow. So uh-huh. when Chris kind of said like, hey, you know. I think there's a role for you here if you if you mm. want something that's more fast paced, um, and that that was really when it like clicked that you know what we have a real opportunity to work together. Chris is an amazing human that's so driven and mission driven mm. that I couldn't resist. Right, so um, so, so then the, I had the, the synergies were there. You know the yeah. you know you both similar mindset, both similar background, and it just seemed to align from that point over over a beer as so much does. That's right. That's right. You know, I, I always have, I have a good friend of mine who always says like breaking bread with somebody, right. Having a meal with somebody, you can't replace that. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a very intimate setting. And that's, that's, that's what it is for me too, is sitting down with somebody having a coffee, maybe instead of a beer, right. If it's in the morning mm. um, is, is always how I, I found that deep connections are formed. Most definitely. So look, that's, um, I guess how, how the idea came about. And I'm, I'm guessing um, then that a lot of it was perhaps driven by the fact that you were both, working with, I guess, military or, or Air Force-based organizations. And, you know, it's notorious, you know, in those sort of establishments that there's a lot of mental health issues because of the work that he's, he's done. So that must have been quite close to your heart uh, as well. Um, 
so you know from there it's you know we're now 2021 things have, have progressed on give us a i guess a snapshot of how things are of going how many of you were were there you know when you joined um and took chris up on, on the offer for something a bit more fast-paced as you said yeah, yeah so uh, i was i was prior to being number 20 so i was something like employees 16 uh -huh. um, and now we're, we're over 60 um employees wow. post series b so i joined i joined just before series a so we were still in seed round mm -hmm. um and uh, yeah, now now we just closed Series B at the end of uh, 2020 with uh, with a lead investment from Magellan, which is a large behavioral health company here in in, in the states. Fantastic. Um, and uh, yeah, since then we've been growing. We have a lot of more roles to fill, um, mm -hmm. so we'll be we'll be far surpassing 60 here shortly. Wow. Um, how, yeah, how, I mean, how's that how's that changed for, for yourself? Because like you mentioned, you know, kind of some of the work that you were doing was quite you know, slow, um, you then move to something fast paced and it seems like it's perhaps picked up. Your role must have changed quite a bit, you know, so you're the, the, the director of, of the clinical operations. Uh, how has your role changed from say day one to, to what it is now? What, you know, what are the best bits? What are the worst bits? And what are the biggest sort of changes that you've noticed um, since joining? Yeah, I think, you know, it's a really interesting question. I, I think what hasn't changed is that every day is different, right? And that's uh -huh. that's like my favorite part of the job is that there's there's no there's no day to day for me, right? Mm -hmm. um, but what has changed is is really building out a staff and a staff that that I, I truly love to work with. So being able to not just be the operator on the ground, but setting that strategy, right, and 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 helping to prioritize and mm -hmm. and really thinking not just like about next week and how do we stay alive, but now that we have the runway for years, it's much more thinking about the long-term strategy of what we're trying to do and and yeah. building things for the future, which is so empowering and 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 really makes me enjoy my job quite a bit. So um, so I'd say that's the biggest thing, and 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 knowing that you know since 2020 we've. 50% uh, of our team has been onboarded remotely. So you think about what that say, does. How, how have you been impacted by, because if you've grown that exponentially, how yeah. has it been affected with remote onboarding? Because as, as a recruitment business, uh, you know, ourselves, we know that there's often struggles with remote onboarding and training. And, you know, going back to what we said before, you know, often sitting down and having a beer or, you know, a meal with people or meeting the team, you know, historically has always been a, you know, come in, let's get together, maybe, you know, there's a full introductory session, whereas now it's it's not quite the same. So how have you guys managed to adapt and deal with that and, you know, continue to grow? Yeah, I mean, we put a lot of focus onto the onboarding experience and what that's going to be like for somebody. So, you know, really, really having a very standardized way of where we make sure that each individual is meeting all the department heads. So, you know, yesterday we had two new hires this week and I sat down with them and talked about what is clinical operations? What is my role? Like, when mm -hmm. will you want to come talk to me? Right. And really yeah. making it clear on, on who each individuals are. And then we also have, we still have a lot of fun, right? So we had um, an escape, a virtual escape room the other mm -hmm. night, which you know, I thought it was going to be lame. I'll be real. And it was incredibly <laughs> fun. Um, so, so, you know, where we used to go out and, and kind of have happy hours or, mm. um, or, or at least go out, we used to go bowling or things like that as, as a small team pre pandemic, we're still yeah. finding ways to get together kind of after work and, and socializing and, and seeing like what, what motivates each other. Right. Cause I think mm. that's really important to know as a coworker. Yeah, and I guess normally, yeah, when you're office space, you get that around the water cooler or at lunch or after work, etc. Whereas it's, it is different um, remotely. I mean, how are you guys? Um, I guess at the moment, are you still fully remote? Are you part office based? Are you running a hybrid system? How how is it for you guys? 
Yeah, so we're basically optional right now for for uh-huh. our office. So I was in the office yesterday. I'm I'm also fully vaccinated, which is which is great. Um, you know, so um, so right now it's optional. We're we're kind of making our back to work plans now. It'll probably mm-hmm. be some sort of hybrid where yeah. you know a few days in, a few days out. Um, I think people have found that they they like working remote at least a couple of days a week, right? I think mm-hmm. that's that's been the biggest change since since the pandemic. Um, so I think there will always be some element now of of trusting one another to work remotely, right? I think I think it takes trust to be able to do that. That what are you doing when you're home, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, but I think we with the amount of amazing work we've done over the past year, I think there's no question that people can work from home and, and do it effectively. Um, but also understanding definitely, that when you like definitely, I, I, everyone I've spoke to has said exactly the same. It's kind of like you know the days of having to watch over staff are kind of dead, and and you know the pandemic has has proved that. Um, and everyone, you know, prior to, to COVID was talking about, oh, we should be doing a four day week, three day weekend, etc. And look, it's, it's not necessarily that it's just having that flexibility, I, I think. Um, and, you yeah. know, I've you know, found that a lot of people are getting more out of their employees um, just by sharing that trust uh, effectively, as you've yeah. said. Yeah, it's particularly working at, you know, a high growth early stage company, right, where you're, you're traditionally probably going to have a bit of a younger, younger employee count where they're just starting to have kids and just starting mm. to have a family, right? And um, they having that flexibility when you have a six month old at home, where maybe you need that, you know, a couple hours in the middle of the day to do some work, but knowing that you have that flexibility to come back later in the day and still get your work done, right? Because yeah. ultimately, that's what matters is just making sure that your deliverables are, are, are done on time. Yeah, exactly. I, I guess it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's the results and the deliverables rather than the time input, you know, and that's what that's I right. think a lot of people have overlooked previously. Um, but I guess even still, there's perhaps been a lot of challenges uh, because things have changed so much in terms of systems, how we communicated. What would you say has perhaps been the biggest challenge for you, maybe personally, Matt? You know, what have you learned about yourself during this crazy year um that we have all experienced you know it's 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 funny i um i always used to say like i'm really good at being an extrovert but i'm really an introvert uh Mm -hmm. and it's it's not true like i've been realizing like i feed off the energy of other people so you know when when we're going months at a time without seeing a coworker, it was it was draining for me Mm. um and really seeing like how much it matters to me just just to be around somebody and talk about not even necessarily work, but just being around coworkers and just talking to them, how much that mm. makes me excited and, and wanting to be part of a team. Um, so I think that's what I've learned about myself a lot is it's just how much these personal relationships really mean to me in person and, and how much I need to make sure I continue to, to use that to my advantage. Right. So are you, you going to be one of the ones who's taking the, the opportunity to get back in the office? You're going to be, you're going to be there knocking at the door. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I was in there yesterday, you know, yeah. I, I think, you know, again, like being being fully vaccinated now certainly changes my outlook quite a bit. Um, but yeah, um, you know, starting to to go on a little bit of traveling again. We're going to be going down to an Air Force base down in Florida next week. You know, I'm, I'm just I'm just super excited to be able to, you know, break the monotony of of the house right and the house living and and, mm. and start to start to feel excited about what we're doing. Which which I'm always a little I'm always excited. Don't get me wrong, but but to feed off that excitement of other people is is really what motivates me. Mm-hmm. Okay, look, I, I guess I, I think I'm kind of the same. I, I guess look, we're a remote business uh, now, but I, I, I massively miss that office environment to an extent. And it's something that we're going to look at and bring in a, a, perhaps a hybrid system moving forward because yeah, even now in the UK, going out and about where 
restaurants and bars have started to open, you know, I'm walking through the town and often walking my, my toddler through and I'm looking in and I'm thinking, I hadn't missed this previously, but now, now I do. Oddly, yeah. it's um, yeah. just a, a strange feeling. But look, what are the what are the plans for you know both yourself and for for Neuroflow flow um, moving forward? Is it continued growth? Are you um, looking at you know additional offices? How you know what's what does the future look like for you guys? Yep. Um... Yeah, I'll start with office space. That's an easy one. So we need more office space. So we are we are moving to a new new uh, uh, same building, which is great. We are we are literally a stone's throw from uh, Independence Hall. So uh -huh. um, being able to to be like right where where our country was founded, right? Like yeah, kind of nice. Talking to a guy from UK about that, but um, <laughs> the uh, but you know in terms of the company, you know we are specializing in delivering the psychiatric collaborative care model, which is basically the most proven model for integrating behavioral health. Mm -hmm. um, the problem is it takes a lot of staffing to be able to do that, or or at least perceived to be yeah. a lot of staffing to do that. So we're actually partnering up with. Um, some really great telehealth partners like Magellan, who have a tremendous uh, skill in in delivering uh, licensed social workers and yeah. um, psychiatrists, and bringing these this complete solution to health systems to be able to deliver this model where previously it was impossible. Mm -hmm. So you know, my dream and my dream for Neuroflow is is to make it so that psychiatric collaborative care is is something that's easy to do, something that's easy to deliver, and that patients will incredibly benefit from. So scaling scaling up this model that has 20 years of evidence um, nationwide is, is not just the company's dream. It's like my mission because it's something that has to be done because there's, there's right. too much of a shortage of behavioral providers right now to, to meet the need. Sure. Well, look, that all sounds very exciting. New offices, new staff, more, um, yeah, hopefully patients that you're, you're able to improve mental health uh, for. I guess, look, just to, sorry, to, to rewind a little bit, I'm just thinking yeah. about patients and, you know, what you've just explained there. How does it work with um, sort of patient physician confidentiality, et cetera? So if it's via, via an app, is it all into to one portal? Is it encrypted? How just fill me in on that? Yeah, yeah, all the data is encrypted so just... uh, in transit and at rest. Um, right. So we, you know, we're on um, Fed compliant, which is a way we work with the government, Fed compliant servers with AWS. Right. Uh, so, you know, our security is, is pretty top notch to work with the government. It has to be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, HIPAA compliant, all the, all the things you'd expect. The, uh, you know, I, I think it's not so much actually doing the security, which is which is certainly our engineer's job and like their their priority number one. But how do you express that we're secure? I think is is, is honestly the bigger challenge. It, it comes back to that thing where you mentioned earlier. It's the, the that's the marketing, isn't it? It's that communication. That's right. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. I could tell you that all day. That are that you know we you know how we we use REST APIs and you know mm. it, our data is encrypted at, when it's in transit and at rest. But like that doesn't mean anything to an airman in mm. in the U.S. Air Force, right? So. To, to them, where we get a lot of credibility from is talking about people we work with. So that's usually what I do when, when we roll out with the Philadelphia Police Department and Fire Department. I'm talking about our work with the VA and how veterans are using us today, right? Mm. And, and they can trust us because we're doing this work already. So yeah. that's usually when, when I talk with, with patients, that's usually the messaging that I use. Sure. Well, it sounds like an incredible platform, the fact that you can monitor yeah, people's moods um, and help to improve them by 
assigning tasks, etc., all via your your app and your online platform, etc. It's it's pretty incredible. Um, so look, I, I hope that there is yeah lots more to come from from you guys. Uh, but look, to give to give us a bit a bit of a summary um, in terms of you know what's next. You know the new offices, etc. Is there any new applications or anything like that that you're you're going to be bringing out? And also, what are you going to be looking forward to, Matt? I, I guess on the personal front post lockdown you know it seems like there's there's we're getting a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel aren't we so uh what are you looking forward to on that side of things yeah yeah um you know maybe i'll start with the new features coming out um sure. you know i i i never thought i'd be working for a technology company right i'm a clinician this is what i do is, is clinical work and yeah um being able to work somewhere where every two weeks we we do a sprint and a push and seeing like uh, the, the app change all the time and, mm -hmm. and make it more engaging and, and make the provider platform easier to use um, is so incredible to me. So we have a bunch of features coming out in in the in this this quarter, so Q2, mm -hmm. um, where we're going to be having all of the documentation, time tracking, being able to use flags, a brand new client dashboard where you're able to sort and identify patients more quickly. Um, so that care managers can do their job super effectively uh, wow. in these integrated models, um, all coming out by June. And, and that's going to make us the premier, what's known as a registry, the premier functional registry in the country. Uh, there's no question bars down. Um, the only other people right now really doing this are, are academic centers that have literally told us like, we don't want to do this, right? So wow. we know there's a lot of a lot of space here to, to make a product that people want to use and, and will be revolutionary. Mm. Um, so I am incredibly excited about that. And that's, that's not even like down the line. That's like, that's like a month away. Wow. Um, the, um, you know, in terms of like what I'm excited about is, is just being able to get, get on some whiteboards again and, and, and sketch things out with my team and talk about yeah. what the next few months will look like. Um, you know, I think there's certain things that remote just can't replace. And to me, that's like whiteboarding is one of those things where, um, you know, just be able to sketch things out, talk things out. Um, I am so excited for my first whiteboard session with my team, uh, which, <laughs> which, which will be in May. So like, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, and then also just, just be able to travel again, like, like talk, talk face to face with some of these health healthcare administrators about what mm. we're trying to do and, and show them like the outcomes and impacts in person, because I don't know about you, but when I'm on a zoom call, I'm usually doing like two other things when I'm on the call. So like, I'm checking my email, like I got Slack messages coming in. Um, I think just just having that conversation face to face across from a conference table, again, it's just like one of those things you really can't replace. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's genuine, full on engagement, isn't it? It's yeah, it's not like right. some you know sometimes you'll watch TV but you're on your phone, you're you know, you're listening to music at the same time. It's 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 yeah, in the moment, I, I guess is is what what it is. Um, so look, yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. You know, I'm, I'm also looking forward to that sort of personal engagement. Um, but look, Matt, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, uh, giving us, you know, all those insights. Sounds like there's some incredible um, sort of updates and things that you guys are going to be bringing out. As you say, not even massively down the line, like we're talking, <laughs> it's on, a, on, on the, on the doorstep. And um, right. so look, very exciting times uh, for you, uh, both personally and for, for Neuroflow. Um, in terms of, you know, anyone who, who wants to reach out to either, you know, hear about uh, the platform, the app, uh, you guys in, in, in general, what's the best way to, to reach out to you guys? I know that you have quite a few things I've, I've looked on, on YouTube, various explainer videos, etc. But um, yeah. how's, how's best to, to reach you? 
Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. I always say follow us on social media, not as like a shameless plug of seeing all of our blog posts and things, which are always great. Um, but our social media is super fun. Uh, so particularly Instagram, uh, which is Neuroflow Live. Like we don't really talk about Neuroflow as much as like we share some really cool like inspirational comics and, and just like talk about mental health. So um, I would check us out on, you know, all the, all the social media platforms, check out Neuroflow or, mm -hmm. or Neuroflow Live, depending what it is. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, I think the other way to, to kind of keep in touch with us is check out the website, neuroflow.com. Um, and people can feel free to reach out to me too. It's, it's Matthew at Neuroflow, pretty easy one. Um, and happy to kind of at least direct you in the right, right spot. Um, but yeah, please, please follow us. I think there's some big news coming uh, that I probably can't quite say on the podcast just yet. But, you know, there's always some things uh, coming down the pike that I think are worth, worth keeping a pulse on, especially if you're interested in this space of integrated behavioral health. Definitely. Well, I'll share all, all of the links uh, when the when the show goes out. And um, yeah, look, as, as, as you said, again, exciting times ahead. So look, thanks again, uh, Matt, for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, James. Appreciate you having me. Good man. Mm -hmm.